everyone. Welcome to Wickedly Macabre. Brought to you by Dee's car. Yeah, we're in my car because I have kids and they're loud. My car is a hybrid, so it's going to switch between gasoline and electric. When it's electric, it's going to be real quiet. And then when it's not, it's going to have this like rumble, which might be spooky. You also might hear the rain. It's currently stopped, but it's been pouring. Yeah, like it's been pouring so bad. My dog ran back up the stairs. She looked at Dee like, are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> yeah, she was not happy. Okay, Tiffany, am I flipping or are you flipping? Flippy. Don't you have the coin? I do. Okay. But you have the computer, so. Well, can you flip it on your phone? I can attempt. Let's do that. One. Two. That was a fail. I'm bad at this. <laughs> that was awful. It... <laughs> Yay! Okay. Oh, it's tails! Tails! Yay! Let's tell some tales! <laughs> and I have a paranormal tale to tell today. There's a lot of T words right there. We are going to, I guess I'm going to stick with a theme uh, of the Pacific Northwest, specifically Oregon, I guess. And I'm going to take my, my first paranormal story to the Oregon coast. So first off, let's start with, we decided that I'm stronger at doing true crime cases and don't know very much about paranormal stuff, which is what Dee loves. I love it. I mean, I love all of it. Like, give me the creepy, give me the ick. I want to know Same. everything. Same. But our passions lie differently. So I'm struggling finding true crime cases and getting into them as writing a story to bring to you. And then Tiffany has the opposite problem. She's having the problem with the paranormal stories. So I've always loved the paranormal. What? Thanks, Siri. <laughs> Does Siri literally just eavesdrop and give us recommendations? She, she's creepy. She's creepy as fuck. I know. Like, one time Alexa did that to me. We're just sitting, not even talking. And she's like, 420 is the national holiday, blah, blah, blah. And then goes on to explain 420 as the date. And I'm just like, Alexa, nobody asked you. <laughs> Could you just... Stop eavesdropping, thank you. It's rude, first off. Second, mind your business. Thanks for explaining that to my kids, because <laughs> that was a thing I wanted them to know. <laughs> All right, so I have a paranormal case for you guys. This is the case of the Hesita Lighthouse Ghost. Yes! I've actually heard about this one. This is one of the nation's most famous hauntings. And so I was able to get a lot of good information about it. When you think of a lighthouse, most people envision a towering white torch topped with a red roof overlooking the ocean from a cliff. And that's exactly what you see when you are looking at the Heseta Lighthouse in Florence, Oregon. Bless you. Thank you. Actually, that's, I was mispronouncing this a lot, and I've lived in Oregon my whole life, 
because uh, I'm just like the Hekatevata. Hekasevata? <laughs> I kept going like heck, and then eventually I'm just like, okay, like Google me the pronunciation. And it was Hesera, and I was like, this is so much funner to say now. Hesera. That's pretty funny. Yeah. So being that it is one of the most, if not the most photographed lighthouse in the world, it could be assumed that it is responsible for that iconic imagery that we think of when we first think of a lighthouse on the coast. Yeah. And it's been around for over a hundred years. I've been to the lookout below the lighthouse and didn't even realize this is where I was. This was last year during COVID. Jeff and I just took a drive down the coast for three hours and we ended there at this beautiful lookout, which had a cove. And I was like, oh, there's a lighthouse up there. And then we went and we walked along the river that was there. So along the coast, where is it like, is it like up near Astoria or nope. you know, Seaside or like It's where? in Florence, Oregon. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. Clearly I've been there. Probably. <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm, I'm not even... Oh. No, I'm making fun of myself. Oh, okay. I didn't know where it was at. <laughs> oh, I see what you're doing there. I'm also from Oregon, so there's that. Excellent. Okay. Construction started on the lighthouse and surrounding houses in 1892 and was first lit in 1894. Wow. The lighthouse was named after the explorer who surveyed the area in 1755, Bruno de Hesera. The tower is 56 feet tall, built on top of cliffs it sits 205 feet above sea level and can be seen for 21 miles from land and if the earth were flat the light would go even further but the curve blocks its range making it the strongest light in oregon take that flat earthers hold on a second the earth is not flat I'm just kidding don't toy with me (laughs) don't toy with me right now the grounds are located in what, you know, I need a minute, <laughs> Tiffany, for a second, I thought you were serious. I got you. And it really concerned me <laughs> because I've tried watching a documentary, like I gave it a chance. I give everything a chance because I'm crazy. I gave every, I gave it a chance and I couldn't even get through the documentary explaining and validating flat earth theory because it was so insane like far beyond any sort of level of comprehension like I just I can't I've known you for 16 years and I finally got you oh my god okay I'm gonna drink a little bit of Red Bull I can't (laughs) Uh, I think it's possibly because I'm tired but this is hilarious not funny The grounds are located in what used to be known as the Devil's Elbow State Park, but has since been renamed the Hesera Head Lighthouse State Scenic Viewpoint. That's a very long name. Yeah, in my opinion, it's not as interesting sounding as the Devil Elbow, but, you know, it is what it is. It had 36 lighthouse keepers between 1894 and 1963. During World War II, it was used as a military barracks, and at one point it acted as a satellite location for local community college. The lighthouse keepers house 
I know that sounds weird. It felt weird to say. The lighthouse keeper's house was demolished in 1940 and the lumber from the de- demolition sold for $10. Wow. The lumber was repurposed to build what is now a cafe in a neighboring town. That's cool. Yeah, right? Upcycling. In 1963, the Coast Guard granted a license to use the lighthouse by the state of Oregon. That same year, it became fully automated, which means it was computerized with little need of a lighthouse keeper anymore and was added to the National Registry of Historic Places in 1978. The assistant keeper's house is still standing. It was built in the Queen Anne style with a huge front deck and a red roof. It was operated by the concessionaires of the U.S. Forest Service and was opened as a bed and breakfast in 1995, which is known for their seven-course breakfast and a highly sought-out venue for weddings. That's cool. Yeah. In about the 1950s, the lighthouse and remaining buildings are pushing 60 years old and that's when the tales of a gray mist shaped like a lady started to be seen in the assistant keeper's house a group of college students decided to break out a ouija board just days before halloween one year you know because that's when the veil is thin and when asking what's your name the planchette on the board proceeded to spell out r u e And so the Grey Lady now had a name, Rue. In the 1970s, it seems to get more active. Not only were the caretakers seeing apparitions, but they were hearing phantom footsteps, dishes rattling, and random items being moved. One occurrence happened as they were sitting in a room with their cats. They hear a blood-curdling scream coming from the center of the room, which they are sitting in. Their cats reacting to the scream as well were just as startled as the caretaker and his wife. Later, the caretaker saw a tail of a long skirt going through the locked door to an empty room. Workers at the assistant keeper's house attempted to go to bed at the location after a day of painting. They didn't get a wink of sleep that night, though, because the fire alarm kept going off in in the wee hours of the morning they removed it from its power source right so they could try and get Mm -hmm. some sleep it kept going off wow so middle of the night trying to sleep you're thinking dead batteries i'm assuming it was a battery thing back in the 1970s or whatever maybe it's like connected to something i don't know they connect it it has no power going to it it's like a freaking furby you take the batteries out, it's still gonna like wiggle. It's creepy. Very. It's fire. And impossible to wrap for Christmas. Why are you giving away fire alarms for Christmas? No, Furbies. Why would you take them out of the box to wrap them? No, no, wrapping in the box. The what? box used to be this like hexagon ish box the Furbies came in. So one year I got one for my um, dad for Christmas. And it was impossible to wrap because it was weirdly shaped. And it talked through the wrapping paper. Yeah, they're creepy. Because why not? I, we had a green one and the batteries had died. We took them out of it and it would sit on our organ because we're classy and we had an organ. And we're not classy. And 
it would just like randomly open its eyes and, and granted we lived in a haunted house but it would like open its eyes and it would move and it would look and you'd hear all the like mechanical buzzings i'm gonna nope out of that situation <laughs> yeah okay in 1975 the most notable occurrence happened a maintenance worker was in the attic you know working maintenancing and he turns around to see rue staring back at him that's right a full body apparition within mere feet of him he ran out of the attic leaving his equipment behind proclaiming he would never go back in the attic again and he never did now flash forward two to three weeks later same guys up on a ladder doing external repairs in the area of one of the windows near the of the attic uh, and he breaks that attic window from the outside so all the glass link shatters inside he is vowed never to go in the attic right so he fixes the window from the outside leaving the glass in the attic that night after he fixed it and did a cleanup after himself because that would entail going into the attic the workers were trying to fall asleep and they heard the sound of glass scraping and sliding across the floor of the attic. That is creepy as fuck. Yeah. Too afraid to check it out at night, they waited until morning to face their fears. When they finally entered the attic, they found the broken glass from the window was now in a neat pile in the center of the room, as if someone had swept it there. I would just like to say, if I were to have or choose a haunting, it would be of a ghost that cleaned up. <laughs> I have two kids. I work multiple jobs because I apparently live to punish myself. My house always has something. Like, there's always an area that needs to be cleaned up. Whose house isn't, though? Thank you. I appreciate appreciate those kind words. And your house looks amazing right now. I, I walked in and was like, holy F. Did you, you have a house cleaner come in here? Because it looked beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate that. Yay. Confidence booster. Rue, lady in great, you're listening to this podcast. Come haunt me and clean my shit. Thanks. At some point, the rumor of a grave belonging to an infant or young child was found on the property. Some versions say it's an unmarked grave. Others say it's a headstone. But it's so overgrown you cannot find it anymore. Either way, the story of the child is the same. It died in a tragic drowning accident. Either in the Pacific Ocean below the rocky cliffs it stands on, or in a on-site cistern. Either way, it evolved the story of Rue, the Grey Lady of Hesseda Lighthouse B&B, to be one about a mother searching for her lost child. There are no records of the wives and children of the lighthouse keepers or keepers assistants. No records show of a child being born there or dying there. With the place being over a hundred years old, who's to say it's not true, a little true, or all the way true? Now, if you go to the B&B's website, this is one of the things that I really like about this place. It's one of the most famous haunted locations. 
and it doesn't market the location as a haunted destination which to me knowing what I know about provoking spirits and stuff this I love and think is smart don't piss off the peaceful ethereal residents by trying to provoke them or command them into proving their existence it's rude and it's inconsiderate people but if you are looking to increase your chances of a visitation from Rue while staying there at the lighthouse, you should stay in the lighthouse keeper's bedroom, now known as a Victoria's room, or the Cape Cove room, which contains the stairs to the locked attic she loves to hang out in. What I've taken away from this haunting is this spirit is of a woman who remains on site because she loves this house and takes great pride in it. She hates construction because who doesn't? It's loud, it's obnoxious, and she doesn't respond to change well. And I completely totally understand that change is, is hard so anxiety provoking it's pretty normal for hauntings to uh, f- um, having mo- more provoking during any kind of construction yeah well it's the construction itself that typically provokes but I see what you're saying I think that she just wants to coexist in the same space and move some shit around to her liking And she'll move on when she's good and ready to. I mean, ultimately, she's an intelligent haunting. She knows what's going on. And at one point, she was fucking with people. So, I I mean, I would too. I mean, what are you going to do? Sit there and knit? Wait, what? Your ghost knitting needles? I would definitely fuck with people. I'm just saying. No, no. If I'm a ghost, I'm gonna fuck with people. What else are you gonna do? What else are you gonna do? Well, apparently clean. I'm not cleaning. No. (laughs) I don't like doing it in real life, so nope, not gonna happen. Excellent. Although, the glass thing, I wouldn't want to step on it. But you're a ghost. It's just gonna go through your foot. Like, you're not gonna feel anything. Or what if you like people and you don't want people to hurt themselves, so you would clean up something like that but like laundry nope dishes nope not doing the toilets because i don't need those anymore i mean touche just saying yeah i mean i for one i'm i'm somebody that believes in ghosts me too and if she's at peace hanging out at this location why mess with her just let her be let her be I hope someday that I'll be able to stay at this B&B. Not just to, like, maybe encounter her. We should do that. I would love it. Um, but also I want to go with my husband because it's a very romantic location. Well, I And not my like... children because it's on the edge of a cliff and that freaks me out. I don't know why, but once I had kids, cliffs freak me out. I just, I, no. I will not bring my children around cliffs. I meant Even the if there's us, a fence. The oh, well. The husbands can come. Seven course breakfast. That is something that I would live for. Period. They typically have like a three month waiting period. Wow. So you have to either book out or get on a waiting list. Um, That's cool. 
I'll leave the link to the bed and breakfast if anybody's interested in the sources region because they did get some of the history from from the locations website itself um that's cool. but it is it is just it's gorgeous and I don't I I know that I I kind of described it in the beginning but I mean this place is ludicrously gorgeous you pull off onto this outlook or this scenic little cove you have a beautiful cove of the pacific ocean just like waves coming in and it's this beautiful small beach and everywhere in or every beach in oregon is public it's owned by public um so anybody can go there and then up on the cliff is the lighthouse and it's looking out and you have these little outhouses not out outhouses but like little out buildings i guess um before you see the actual bnb there's a little hike that you can take to go up to the lighthouse on one side of the parking lot and on the other side of the parking lot is a nice slow moving river that flows towards the ocean in this cove and um, some picnic areas and it's just a sweet little place to go so if you're in the area of Florence and you're looking for something to do check out this lighthouse and a little cove there and and just take a little piece of history when you go it's a perfect time right now to do something like that because people are still stuck at home and you know if you live in Oregon or even Washington it's would be a nice drive nice weekend getaway I'm sorry here's something I guess this is gonna be a little tangent for me it is November and I don't know why people go to the beach in the winter and late fall I agree because I grew up going to the beach constantly because my grandparents lived down there and it is not a pretty time you're talking king tides freaky sneaker waves flooding it is and it's cold people it is cold and windy and sometimes there's like a tornado so so maybe wait until it's springtime to go visit the lighthouse because it's going to be prettier and a better experience and you won't feel all crappy when you get out of the car. I'm going to get a little uh, depressed for a second and this month has been 21 years since my dad died on an Oregon coast. Oh, I'm sorry. In the middle of November. Yes. Fishing on the edge of a jetty because who does that? Oh, my family Um, does that. Yeah, so he... Um, I climb up jetties. That happened. Yeah, but in the middle of November. You don't... You November. Zach. Sneaker waves, people. That's exactly what happened. Sneaker waves. He, a sneaker wave came up, and he was on the edge of the jetty, and there was this... Um, there were basically a bunch of rocks at the end of the jetty in the ocean, and the wave came and pushed him out, and he got stuck between the jetty and rocks. I love you, yeah. but a jetty is just like a string of rocks. No, but like there was a gap. Oh, there was a gap at the end. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. He got stuck in between there. Sometimes there's breaks from really hard storms where the 
waves like create gaps in the jetty. Um, oh, I know, that makes sense. I know of like two places, um, one on the Nahalem Bay and then one on the Tillamook Bay. And they both have little breaks. The one on the Tillamook Bay is not so bad. Um, and it gives way to a nice little tide pool area that I take my kids in the summer because not so bad with sneaker waves. And then um, the one in Nahalem on the Nahalem Bay is uh, much older. It's been there since I can remember, but it also gives way to a nice little tide pool that kids can play in. I mean, always watch your kids when you're playing in live water. Bring your life jackets because Be it's safe. unpredictable. Um, but yeah, just a beautiful little, little area there. The moral of the story is just be safe. Be safe when you go to the beach. And make sure you're paying attention. Yeah, and that way you don't die and become a ghost and haunt a lighthouse. Although, it's probably a pretty location haunt. We really would like not to tell a story about one of the people we listen to. Or, hold on, that was not what I meant. What? I meant to say that we would rather not tell a story about someone who listens to us when they die. So be careful. Don't die on us. If you have a story you would like us to feature on our show, email us your ideas at wickedlymacabre at gmail.com. Thank you again for joining us today. Come back next week for another coin flip here at Wickedly Macabre. Bye! Bye. Hi there, it's Dee with Wickedly Macabre. Tiffany and I wanted to wish all of our listeners a happy and safe Thanksgiving holiday. Thank you for listening. Don't drink and drive, and stay cool, people.